no idea original support. I'm here with Reem again and Theo again to talk again. Theo, she got a keyboard in the background. You know anything about playing that keyboard? Man, that's one of those old school Casios, man. Still works. <laughs> still loud. Still effective. Sounds good, man. I hear you, man. I hear you, man. Playing the keyboard is a good, good deal, man. So how y'all doing this week? Doing pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, no hey, good man. Uh, a lot of lot of good sports stuff this week, man. Let's talk. Let's talk about right. our, our beloved basketball teams in the city going in different directions. <laughs> we got the Knicks that got the top defense in the NBA. The young players four straight bringing pulling it together. And we got the Nets who got all these the high price guys that talented that the backcourt refuses to play defense and gets basically destroyed. By Garland and by itself. <laughs> so, what do you guys think? You know about the Knicks' win streak and, and what's what's actually driving the Knicks to win these games? I think it's uh, Thibs. You know, up until now, in the last few years, we've had mediocre coaching. We had Jeff Hornacek at one point, Derek Fisher, um, Fisdale. You go down the line, right? We had the guy from the G League. His name isn't coming to me now. But he finished the season for Fisdale. But I, I think a big part of it is Thibs. One thing I'll say, though, is I think Thibs is, is burning the players out, which is he's known for that, right? That's kind of like Thibs' thing, relying mostly on the starters. Doesn't go to his bench as much. But <clears throat> I think he, he has them playing uh, – Team ball, he has them playing defense, like you said, top defense in the league. Um, last year, I wasn't a huge fan of Julius Randle. This year, he still has moments where he could probably be a little better in terms of passing the ball around, but he seems like a different player this year. And again, I, I think Dibbs has a lot to do with that. RJ Barrett has come back much improved, I would say. He still has ups and downs here and there, but he's much improved. Um, Hitting his free throws finally, but still work on that three ball a little bit. Um, I think overall, I think they they have a, a a better roster, right? They got quickly who who can break a defense down. We needed that. Same thing with Rivers; he's been out the last couple of games. Even Alec Burke, you look at uh, Burke, right? He's up until his injury, he was averaging twenty points a game. So. I think, yeah, the Knicks are moving in the right direction. Um, they still got a ways to go. I think they could get a little bit more athletic, and they definitely need more shooting. Um, but I would say, yeah, they're moving in the right direction. The Nets, on the other hand, moving in the opposite direction, like you said. The defense is kind of – everybody knows that's that's their biggest thing. Um, we know they're going to score points. when You got KD, Harden, and, and Irvin on the same team, but they got to be able to stop somebody. And I watched uh, – like you said, the Cavs game, I watched that one. The first game against the Cavs, they gave up like 140-something. Granted, it went to overtime. And then the second game, I think the Cavs went off again for at least 120-something. So their thing there is, is defense. Um, and just keeping Kyrie Irving as much in check as you can keep him. So when he keeps his head on right, though, I think they'll be all right. Yeah, you said some good points. Um, you know, as far as this concern, they uh they look well coached. Uh, it's fun to watch them see them guys play ball because the last few years it's hard to watch them play any kind of ball against anybody. Um, as far as Tibbs goes, you know, you know, you guys know that I didn't want Tibbs. I Tibbs as a coach in the first place, but um, yeah. That being said, he's definitely making me crow. So I got to give him his due. Team looks good. Team looks prepared. They're coached up. They look like they are executing. And um, you got to give Tibbs credit. Um, as far as Julius Brown is concerned, he's a new ball player. The guy's averaging, what, 26 points, 11 rebounds, six assists. Look like an all-star player right now. She make the all-star team, I should say, as of right now, the way he's playing. Um, Seems like he's biting into what Tibbs is talking about, whatever it is. Um you very good on defense. No surprise there because the, the team seems more defensive orientated. Where the guys they are traded for, assigned, uh, more defensive offense. They can use some more offensive power. But um, as of right now, I'm happy Nick fan. Yeah, 
I, I mean, I watched the games. I looked at I looked at, at the defense is definitely you know definitely driving, and they had like a Jews draft was definitely there's no way around that. I mean, he, this is the best I've ever seen to play through college or anytime. This is the best he's ever played. That's that's coming up coming up big. And Barrett and guys are improving. I mean, you you're getting production out of Knox now. He's knocking down open shots, which which wasn't always the case. But I do think Tips are getting guys. I mean, Quigley again, that's a big help coming in. As a rookie, he's actually taking, you know, doing a lot for them early on that was him. Maybe it was effective, maybe it wasn't, but he's helping them out a lot. I mean, I will say this too, I, I think they're doing well in a sense too, because when I looked at the schedule of the teams they played, it's not like they played a whole schedule of pancakes either. Like, you know, some some of, some of the other teams in the NBA, they're, you know, benefiting from some of the some of these really bad schedules they have. So they, like, you got a lot of teams that have a lot of wins, but when you go back and you look at and some of them, including, you know, some teams like the Lakers. And when you when you played Sacramento two times, Golden State, the Spurs, you know, and you play these type of teams that depleted Portland, the record is a little little more inflated. But the Knicks, what's the Knicks are turning it around? As far as the Nets, I mean, I watched the two games that Kyrie Irving came back. And I noticed one thing that's definitely half the thing is that there's no way that they got James Harden to average 19 points a game. They didn't get him out there to play second fiddle to Kyrie Irving taking more shots than Harden and Durant. Granted, Harden, his assist rate is higher than Kyrie's too, more than double. Neither one of those two are playing any type of defense because they're getting killed in the backboard. Which if you don't use you, so very rarely you hear about a situation where Durant is getting killed out there on defense or something. So you're really not getting much out of Harden or Kyrie. It's something that's different. And with him in, in general, when you think of those three guys, you think, okay, most games they should be able to outscore. But if you got a situation where you got Harden only in 19, the second Cavaliers game, Durant sat out, and Harden still only got 19. Right. So without playing defense and without Harden scoring in the 20, 25, 30 plus range, they really going to lose a lot of games they should win. And they'll lose a lot of games to bad teams. Out. Yeah, I think uh, that's an interesting point is that uh, before Kyrie came back, when it was just those those first game, first game or two with Harden and Durant, I thought they looked better then. I was watching that team saying, all right, I could see where maybe they move on from Kyrie and try to add some depth there. I know that kind of defeats the purpose of their whole hopes of the big three, but I, I like the way Harden, that version of Harden looked. Now I think Harden is out there, like you said, just being way too passive. Either that or, or Kyrie is is being way too too aggressive, one of the two, but something has to give. Because if you're going to have Harden and then averaging uh, 19 points or so, you could have kept Karis LeVert for a lot cheaper, you know, with probably better defense. But they definitely didn't bring Harden in there to average 19 points, so they got to figure it out. But I think the offense will eventually be figured out. I think they, they have to figure out that defense, though. You know what's, what's crazy is that when um when Kyrie wasn't there, it looked like DeAndre Jordan played better. Like, yeah, yeah, he did. So what what? I'm sorry. What if I said Harden is a better point guard than Kyrie? I, I think I at this point I have to agree with you. I I would have to agree with you at this point. I mean, is Harden seems to be the guy distributing the ball. The players actually seem more happy to play with him, even though he's getting his points. I mean, DeAndre Jordan was scoring, Joe Harris was scoring. All those guys got the ball in positions to score, and the game was a little easier. I think I think you're right. I think Kyrie might do a little bit too much pounding the ball at times and stuff like that. I think yeah. realistically, it would it would have made more sense if Kyrie would have came in and been the guy who tried to fit in a little more than necessarily assert himself. Because when I look at the box score, Kyrie every game that Kyrie's played so far, I believe with the Nets, with these guys, with Durant or Harden, I think he's taking the most shots. I might be wrong, but I, I would say at least. 85% of the time, he's taking more shots than Kevin Durant, and he definitely took more than James Harden these games. 
Well, his first game back, he took the most shots. Yeah, Yeah. he took like 28 shots or something crazy like that. Now, how much of that do you think is uh, like Katie and and Harden trying to almost like pacify him? Because Kyrie, you know, you get out there and you don't necessarily pacify him. He may go into one of his meltdowns again, you know. So I wonder if that's playing a role in it. Or is Harden thinking, hey, maybe I'm new on the team. I got to take it easy first. I got to be the one to adjust my game coming in. I, I I think it could be a little of both. I think from James Harden's perspective, he's probably trying to adjust. And I think KD's probably thinking about the meltdown stuff because he already experienced it. He already was out there by himself. What's it, when Kyrie decided to just, you know, do what he needed to do, take a mental break or however he wants to put it. But Sam, I can, I can, you know, I understand what he's saying. If you need that break or something, but at the end of the day, you, there's certain ways of going about doing things. You know, just not showing up, showing up on the videos with, with politicians and stuff like that at parties and stuff. So he's got to, he's got to become more focused. They brought him in to try to win championships, so they brought all these guys in to win championships. And he might have to be the guy that sacrifices more than these other guys. I mean, I, me personally, I don't think Kevin Durant should have to sacrifice either one of those guys. But listen, James Harden, at least, you know, watching it over the last couple of years, he scores a lot, and it seems like he's doing a lot of dribbling. But you look at the assist numbers, like Theo said, he's a guy that I think is usually in the top top five in assists, like the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. he, right. he, he might be a better point guard than Kyrie at this point. Grant, and it's only a small sample size, but I, I haven't really seen Harden pounding the ball as much on the Nets so far either. You know, he gets into those moments where he does it, but, but definitely not how it was in Houston. So, but Kyrie seems like he's just pounding that ball uh, almost every possession when it's in his hands. The Nets, I think, I see, I see three issues with the Nets. Okay, one is uh, perimeter defense. Nobody to pay defense in the perimeter for a small forward or power forward position, or even in a shooting guard. Uh, two, they're a small team. No matter who's out there, they're a small team. Uh, and, and third is, uh, I think, um, they have, I, I, third is, I forgot what my third opinion was, but those two I just said before. And third is, uh, yeah, I forgot, I'm lost my words right now. I'm sorry, fellas. That's all right. I, I, think, I think you're right. I think I think they need to get. I think they need to. I really think they need to sign another big man. I mean, I, the guy that got the rookie right. guy, Reggie, something. He's playing well, but right. even he's not really a defensive type of player. He's more of an offensive type of guy. Right. DeAndre Jordan's what? playing well. I mean, to me, they might be a guy that's a team that's in line to try to pick up somebody like Jason Chandler or somebody that's out there to do it to listen to the dirty work, get in there, rebound, and defend. I mean. They got a couple of decent defenders on the fence, like the um, uh, Bowen guy is not bad. I was saying playing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They got a and lot. All of the, offense, it is, the offense. The offense is still one on one orientated. The offense was KD one one on one was Harden one on one or Kyrie one on one. Yeah, they're still playing. That's a problem that, too. That take your turn type of ball. Right. You know, come right. down, KD's turn, right? You come down, it's Harden's right. turn. Come down, Kyrie, right. now try to get mine. Right, right, exactly. And that ain't win no chip, man, that's for sure. No, I don't I don't think you can necessarily win that way. I think it's, I think Steve Nash may not be the right coach, too. Not that he could be, not that he can't be a good coach, but when you got players of that caliber of talent, you have to be the guy that kind of dictates what goes on. And was with the I mean that statement that guy made about we coaching ourselves should have told the whole story to begin with. So when you when you look at it, the coach should be able to say, okay, at this point in the game, we need to get this person the ball, and this needs to happen with this and that. Because realistically, I mean, it, I'm sure in Kyrie's mind he might feel differently, and I, I think Kyrie's great. But if I had to take a shot at the end of the game, he'd be third on the list. He wouldn't be he wouldn't be one or two. I'm definitely giving the ball Durant, Harden, then Kyrie. And, and if I look at the shot distribution and stuff like that, I mean, 
national, I mean, as a rookie coach and stuff, I'm sure it's harder to go over and be like, listen, you know, we need you to distribute the ball a little more and play a little, you know, more defense. I actually, as crazy as it sounds, I actually think that Harden would probably be a little, a little more agreeable to listening to what the coaches have to say than probably Kyrie. Durant seems like he would follow what they're saying, but I could see, I could see Harden being a little more agreeable to trying to play, you know, trying to play some D and trying to listen. Well, you can kind of tell that now why he's like taking the back seat. Taking, I looked at the box score those last two games, and I seen Kyrie twenty four and twenty eight attempts, and I seen James Harden twelve and twelve. Right, that's the problem with that right there. Like I, I think the minute they brought in Harden, the focus for Nash should have kind of shifted because now, like you said, Nash's main responsibility I think should be to to keep the personalities in check and keep like set up uh, almost like a pecking order, so to speak. Yeah. Until last done, it's going to continue to be a problem. But you don't need Nash trying to be out there being an all-world coach in terms of with a clipboard in his hands no. with that team because those guys, those guys can score. You know, they can do – they can score at multiple levels, all of them, right, all three levels, mid-range, three-pointer, get inside, get to the hole. So you don't need them out there drawing up a million plays. You need them out there, Steve Nash, that is, trying to keep those personalities in check and setting a pecking order for that team. So uh, I wonder if one of the things he's going to have to do, and I, uh, I think he's already done it a little bit, is like looking to stagger in uh, these guys' minutes a little more. Because you can't have all three of them out there constantly and James Harden uh, suffering from it in terms of amount of shots because then it's useless to have him on the team. He's going to have to stagger the, uh, the minutes so that each one of them have a, a maybe a, a, a time to be the, the main focal point. I at least have two of them on the court. The third one is on the bench at that time at certain points of the game so they get, get their shots off. But I think they'll figure that part out. I'm more concerned with the defense, though. Yeah. Colin Sexton gone off for 45 points, granted only one game. Uh, but then they turn around, the Cavs went off on them again. Garland doing whatever he wanted. Drum, uh, Drummond was was killing down low. I so mean, they have some concerns, but I, I, I think they'll work out the offense, the defense. They may have to sign somebody else, another big or something to help them uh, on the defensive end. If you guys recall the first Cavs game in double overtime with their loss, Kyrie came down court and tried, and tried to win the game. Yeah, he did. He didn't try he to did. come down court and look for KD at all. No, he did. Right, whereas James Harden, he already shown that and said that after certain games that his mindset is giving the ball to KD, man, and certain parts of the game. Yeah. So if I show Harden had the ball coming down court game one, he would have tried to find KD. You're right. I I, I agree. I didn't, think, didn't Kyrie get called for an offensive foul on that play? The ball ended up slipping out of his hands, and I think he may have elbowed Sexton in the face or something. Got yeah, called. they they they, they changed the corner of play. But it's like, you know, and I think I, how much of that is uh is KD's personality where he doesn't think KD is going to say something to him. You know, the interesting thing about like we talk about the pecking order too is that. If you watch the games, it seems like KD is always the first person to come out, too. He's always the first person subbed out of the game out of those three. KD it. So it's almost like, I mean, I hate to put it like this, but, I mean, we got to get Steve Nash up to the speed of what, what a good high school coach is. You get in a high school huddle or AU team huddle or any good team huddle, and believe me, the coach has already let these kids know and they already understand that this is who you are and this is who you are. Listen, this guy here, he's, you know, listen, I, I could tell you just, you know, just a crazy incident myself. I was coaching um, the, the 17 and under, and we was in, uh, listen, Theo, you probably remember, Kareem, you probably remember, too. You remember the housing, housing Theo? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the housing tournament? Yes, of course. So, <laughs> so, so I'm coaching 17U. We had a play design. It was like 20 seconds left for somebody to get the shot, right, because they was on fire. You know, some other kid went out there, got the ball, tried to play hero ball, and shot the ball we lost. <laughs> Man, everybody in that team laid into him. 
So the, mm-hmm. the players know, you know, the players on the team know who's supposed to take the shot. Or whatever, at least most of them, the coach knows who's supposed to take the shot. The only person that doesn't is the guy, the guy taking the shot. I don't know. I think no sense. They, they got to figure it out. Um, and, and they soon, will. It's still early in the season, but I think the Nets need to figure this defense out soon. Are they going to have a, a a long season? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's a big difference trying to win a championship from the fifth seed <laughs> than playing home games. So right. they definitely got to figure it out. So, guys, we're in another week of the NFL playoffs is coming up, and we we look at it. We down to the final four. We got the Bills. In Kansas City, and we got the old Green Bay Packers, <laughs> and what's him in the Bucks. <laughs> so, what do we think? What do we think about these games? Who do we have here? And I, I got I me. Mean, let me say one thing. I got an interesting take, and you guys tell me what you think. So, during the season this year, when a guy got a concussion, people sat out two games, three weeks, two weeks. Somehow, or other miraculously, Mahomes was cleared on Wednesday from Sunday. So what do you, what do you guys think? Who, who got these games and what's going on there? Um, normally I would say Kansas City in a, in a close game because I like the Bills. They were my sleeper team at the beginning of the season. But given what you just said, like I, I would like to believe they're being cautious and, and Mahomes is ready to go, but it's definitely risky, you know, so – I hope he's okay, not even from a necessarily a football standpoint, but I hope he's making a wise decision by going out there um, in general for his health. But besides that, I, I think uh, Kansas City wins the game, assuming Mahomes is somewhat Mahomes. I think they win a close game. Um, and then on the other side, I, I think uh, originally I had the Bucks, but Theo kind of persuaded me with the Green Bay thing. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers, is ball- that team is balling out. No, so I think that it's going to be another close game. I think, but I, I think uh, Green Bay. So I got I got Kansas City and Green Bay in the Super Bowl. Yeah, as far as NFC concerned, I think whoever has the home court advantage, the home field advantage, I should say, will win the game. So so as of right now, they're playing in Green Bay. Should be cold out there. I'm quite sure Tom Brady has no problem playing the cold. But this game, he won't have no Antonio Brown. He's out for the game. No, yeah. his foot. So that, that would be a problem for the um, Bucks offense. Um, as far as AFC, you know, both of you guys last week picked the Bills, so congrats to both of you guys picking the Bills. I went to the window, but I went with Lamar Jackson being so, like, mad and like, so I think he pulled it out, though. But I'm, I'm happy for the Bills winning it. And quite honestly, I'm, I want the Bills or Chiefs to win it. I don't want to see no Tom Brady. I'm tired of Tom Brady. Y'all know that. And Aaron Rodgers is always kicking my Cowboys' ass, so I'm tired of him. So, <laughs> so I'm I'm going with anybody for AFC, man. And I like to see the Bills, and I can see the Bills winning because the Bills been through a lot. The franchise, the Bills been, been through a lot, you know, as a yeah. franchise, a lot, a lot of tough losses, a lot of quick starts, and they fall apart. You know, forcing Super Bowls, losing that like that the way they did, you know. So, as a sports fan, I want my seeing the Bills, you know, win the Super Bowl. I mean. For me, I think I think if again if Mahomes is healthy, Kansas City will win. I listen. I think the Bill. I think it'll be a close game. I think one of the key things is I think if I think if the Bills, unfortunately, if the Bills can get to Mahomes early in the game, I think they'll definitely win. Because I, I, if he gets his a couple of times, I think he'll be done for the game. Mm. I don't think I don't think they're gonna risk it. I think that it's a chance. I mean, as it is, it's such a short turnaround. If they get out there and sack him or he takes another hit, good hit, he'll probably be done for the game, and they can't afford to have that happen in the first and second quarter. Like, they they like they like hung on that last game. Yeah. When they, 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 they hung on to the game. So if he if he can't make it through to at least the middle of the fourth quarter or whatever, they're definitely going to lose the game. But if he stays in there, they should win. As far as Green Bay and um Green Bay and the Bucks, I think deal is one hundred percent right. I think the home field is big there. I, and they said I don't think nobody really wants to play in Green Bay at this time of year. It's gonna be freezing. Tom Brady's used to it. But I mean, I don't know right. about him. I mean, Chris Goodwin drops balls in Florida. <laughs> 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 the 
90 to 88 degrees perfect weather, and he dropped some unexplainable passes. Mike Evans, too, like, they're really good receivers, and I give them credit for them. They drop a lot of passes. <laughs> and what's him? That's an ideal condition. Imagine with Lambo out there freezing, plus two, you know, is Ronald Jones is probably playing, but you don't know, you don't know how much he's going to be involved. You got Fournette. Gronk, I mean, this might be the game where Tom Brady has to rely a little more on Gronk and the tight ends or something, who he's familiar with. So I, I could possibly see something like that happening. But I, I think Green Bay will pull that out. I think, I, I could, I think that's going to be a close game, too. And real, I mean, for me, when I look at it, because I think one of the things Steele had brought up is who the win is more important for, I think it's more important for Brady. Because I think I think Aaron Rodgers has been a Green Bay Packer all the way through. You know, he already defeated the ghosts of Brett Favre and all the rest of that stuff. But I think between Belichick and Tom Brady, both those guys are out there to try to prove who can win without each other. So if Tom Brady went on to win the Super Bowl without Bill Belichick, that would probably hurt Bill Belichick's legacy, especially after what we've seen this year. So yeah. I, I think I think Tom Brady, this would mean a lot for him, I'm sure, for him to win. Probably more than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Couldn't have said it better. It's hard to argue that. Yeah, I agree with what you said, man. Can you I agree hundred percent, man? Well said. Yeah. So we had a couple of guys retire to my it's interesting that, you know, we got guys to compare to. We got Drew Brees, who's, who basically retired. We know he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. But we got Phillip Rivers, who retired. But is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? I mean, for me, I think so, just by the numbers. Like, we, we could debate that. What do, what do you guys think about Phillip Rivers as a Hall of Famer? Yeah, like you said, based on numbers, I would put him in. Um, does he get in for ballot? I don't know, but numbers-wise, yeah, I would say he is easily. Um, unfortunately, he was never able to win the the big one, but with the guy, he had a, a hell of a career, I would say. If Phil Rivers get in the Hall of Fame, so should Tony Romo <laughs> as well. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think that's why I see it. If Rivers get in, you got to pin in Romo. And I Matt, you and Matt Ryan as well. Look at Matt Ryan's career. It's similar to the Philip Rivers. So what about, what about Eli Manning? He, Eli Manning, I have no issue with him being in the Hall of Fame. He has two Super Bowls, and he uh, performed great in a big stage, in a big moment. I have no issues with that at all. Okay. Yeah, but I would say Eli is probably a borderline pick. But right. Super Bowl wins – in the fashion that they, they want him being the underdog, I would say probably may give him the edge there. Like, I would have no problems with seeing Eli get in just based on that, like Theo said. Is it, uh, what about Roethlisberger? Big Ben? Yeah. He's, yeah, he's definitely Hall of Famer. First first ballot. Okay, good. Yeah, because it's funny. Is they're always compared because they're in that same class, the Rivers, Roethlisberg, Manning class. Right. So yeah, I think out of the three, Big Ben is the shoe in, and I think it's I Big think Ben. Uh, o- Big Ben always had his team in an AFC Championship or always in the playoffs all the time, always being competitive or losing losing close games to somebody on their way to the chip. So Big Ben is definitely Hall of Famer in my eyes. First ballot with no issues. Yeah, I think so. I think so. So we got we got another quarterback on the move. Matthew Stafford and the Lions seem to have agreed to mutually. Part. What do you what do you see for Matthew Stafford? I mean, personally, if I look at it, if the Jets are not going to take the quarterback, I guess I don't mind him being a stopgap because I, I think that was him. I think that he was him. He'll actually perform well. Like I think for the Jets, I still think that they're like more they're more than a quarterback away. So so having a guy you know coming in the middle to bridge that gap, maybe drafting a quarterback and. In the second or third round, somebody developed. I don't have a problem with that, but Matthew Stafford, I think he's, I think he's a good quarterback. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I like him. Like, like you said, especially as a stopgap for the Jets. 
Um, he would be maybe my backup choice. Obvious, obviously, you want uh, Watson if you can get him. Give up whatever pieces you have to get picks, whatever they want to try to get Watson in there. But if you can't get Watson, yeah, I, I would go for Stafford for a year, two years. I think, like you said, they're more than a quarterback away. Um, I would say he's better than Darnold. Um, so, yeah, I would have no problems with him coming in, especially for the right price. Uh, staff would be great for the Colts. I think yeah. they are already. Yeah. I think they're already already now a franchise or a team. So is the Bears. They could yeah. use staff as well. Those two yeah. teams will have a a great upgrade at quarterback and probably be more serious contenders for Super Bowl. Staff for the Jets. Um, I wouldn't go there because you know. I would rather go young. Stafford needs to be somewhere where you know already now team is ready to go for a chip or a challenge for a chip. Yeah. They're going for a team, I guess, is rebuilding or, uh, yeah, not ready to win right now. I think you're right, Theo, because I think part of the reason they might be splitting ways is because he's probably tired of losing. So that, that could be a big reason why he's doing it. And he would fit in on those other teams. Well, I actually think that, especially a team like the Colts, I think they would probably pursue him was it right away to replace was it replace um, Philip Rivers? I could definitely mm-hmm. see that happening. So yeah. that was definitely something I could see. I mean, for, for the Jets, just throwing a name out there, I, I'm going to say it again. I wouldn't mind having Jameis Winston for a year. Because I, I, even though he turned the ball over, I, keep, I, I, can't, I can't get past, like, can you tell me how many quarterbacks actually ever threw for 5,000 yards in a season? Mm-hmm. He had a lot of turnovers. He had 33 touchdowns, and he had 30 turnovers, too. But those 5,000 yards is undeniable. We could probably fix up some of them turnovers. If we get it down to 15, as a matter of fact, he would still have his job. It was only 15 with 33 touchdowns and 5,000 yards passing. And he didn't have Antonio Brown or Gronk. He had Goodwin and Mike Evans. Not only would he have his job, he would have been in probably MVP, you know, conversation with those numbers, even with the 15 interceptions. I think, uh, like you say, he needs to cut down on the turnovers, but he probably got a, a little bit of a raw deal because he's black quarterback, you know. They don't have the, the leash that some of these other guys have, I would say. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind on the, on the Jets as well as a stopgap. Who knows? He gets in there and plays well. Why leave him as a stopgap? You know, he's young, especially considering. Yeah, he's still young. It's not like he's some you know guy that's on his way out, so to speak, in terms of age, ready to retire. So if he gets in there and performs well, then why not think about keeping him around for a little bit? Yeah. Well, if I'm the Jets, before I decide on Winston and Stafford, I'm trying to get out the Sean Watson, who just uh, I guess I read on. Um, Adam Schefter just put out about an hour ago about, you know, them being his first option in the Jets. So you two guys should be happy about that. You know, so uh, that would be my my first option before I try to settle on uh, a mishap guy between uh, Jameson or uh, Stafford or anybody else. Yeah, I, I definitely for all of them. I, I definitely agree with that. And I, I do think, listen, we got a glimpse of what Jameis could do because we've seen in that game, that game, remember Taysom Hill didn't play, they brought Jameis in, and what did Jameis do? Jameis threw the ball, we got a 62-yard touchdown pass. So That was probably the only play they threw the ball downfield. Yeah, yeah. Well, you still got to, to get 5,000 yards, you got to have an arm. So Right. If was in my, I mean, it's going to be interesting down there, too, with New Orleans, though, because Breeze is gone. I mean, I could actually see them actually trying to go with a hybrid thing with, with Taysom and Winston both. But I, I just, like I think Theo said last week, Taysom Hill is not going to be the answer <laughs> was it to, to, to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So they got some, who knows, they might try to look at Matthew Stafford, depending on how they feel about what he can do. I guess one of them uh... – between Winston, Stafford, one of them may be in, in Houston for all we know, right? Because Watson, apparently, as we've been discussing, uh, doesn't want to be there. So Houston is going to have a more than likely have a, a quarterback spot to fill as well. Right. 
Yeah, there's, there's definitely going to I mean, if I'm the Jets, as crazy as it sounds, if they if the Texans want to rebuild, I will see if I could try to include Dono in the deal. Maybe that'll lessen the picks. That, you know, we'll give you Dono back in the deal or something. Yeah, if I could, why not? Um, like you said, they, they may go for it. Um, who else would they bring in? Because they're not necessarily – they're definitely not a team that's, that's – Built ready to win right now, so they may be willing to take Donald, right? Yeah, yeah they may be willing to take him in their system. Yep, it's possible. Whatever they, whatever they want, give it to them, Jeff fans. <laughs> but you think, I think before they, before Houston, that has got to this this Watson issue. They uh, they made some crazy decisions as a franchise in general. You know, they just started giving players away. So I can see from from uh, Watson's perspective, that's got to be frustrating, right? Because I, I thought at one point Houston was like a team on the rise. They seemed like they was ready to put it together. And then next thing you know, they, it's like they started having a mini fire sale. I mean, I, I heard that well, Watson is gone, that um, J.J. Watt is gone too. If they, they're going to clean house. They got rid of the receiver, right? Um, what did they get for him? Right. Right? Yeah, I don't even know what they got. They got um, the, the running back, they got um, Johnson, and, and that was a bad deal because he was coming off of like a surgery or something and hadn't played well or something, and they traded They basically – they didn't even get a first-round pick for him, for DeAndre Hopkins. They got a second round pick and a running back off of injury. For one of the guys who was considered one of the best wide receivers in the game. I mean, I think that's part of the reason why the coach lost his job, that because he was the GM too and he made that deal. There was no need for a fire sale. What was you doing, uh, Bill O'Brien? I don't get it. What what are you doing? You got a fire sale for a team that's in contention. Right, you got you got a young quarterback who's top five, maybe top ten at worst. You got a, a, a young wide receiver who's top three, top top one, playing the top of his game. What do you trade him for? I don't, I don't get it. Let me tell you. Think about what what NFL teams thought of Bill O'Brien. You know where his job is now, right? He's the yeah. offensive coordinator for Alabama, not a not a not a coordinator in the NFL. Not a head coach in the NFL or anything in the front office. He's a he's not even a college head coach. He's an offensive coordinator in college now. Granted, it's Alabama, but still, I'm pretty much sure that a head coach in college job or assistant coach in the NFL or any other head coaching would trump being an assistant coach on a college team, a coordinator. So that's right. that kind of tells you he wasn't even getting interviews. So that kind of tell you what they thought of Bill O'Brien's job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, good. just another thing too. Um, the Chargers head coach, old head coach Anthony Lynn, got hired as the offensive coordinator for um, Detroit. Good for him, man. Yeah, got a raw deal, man. In San Diego Chargers, got a raw deal. I thought so. I, I thought so because, I mean, I thought it took. I thought it took a lot of guts because he was. You watch Hard Knocks. He was a big time Tyrod Taylor fan, and was mm-hmm. him, he had to go to Tyrod Taylor. Listen, I, I had a feeling just by watching it that Tyrod Taylor, there's no way he was going to make it through the season as the stardom, the full season, because the, the kid is good, Justin Herbert. I mean, I won't take nothing away from him, because if, if you look at it, he, he should have been the starter probably coming out of camp. Yeah, that kid is good. That kid is good. And that's how Lynn lost his job. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Right, being, right, being stubborn. Yep. Cause he he, he was him. I mean he, that. I mean I, I wish the Jets had drafted a guy like that, but he was he's really good. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. So Theo, what's him? Wait, wait for Dak to come back. <laughs> say it again. I'm oh, sorry. Say it again. Waiting for Dak to get back in the game. Listen, like they gonna I give said, him the money. No, he said no. franchise him. Okay. No, they're gonna tag him again. 
We all know that. You gonna tag him again. That's what they're gonna do. You get 38, 38 million instead of 42, 43 million, where we got action for. You get 38 and a half. That's gonna be that. He's getting tagged again. Yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah, I can believe it. Yeah. I mean, before I would tell you this, like you like you said before, before he got hurt, he might have been the MVP of the league. The way yeah, he, was he, he was yeah, he was playing out of his mind, you know. Yeah. Even though the defense was horrible. But he was carrying the team, man, you know. Yeah. And, um, then he got hurt. But then, you know, it, the injury showed that, you know, he was our whole team on both sides of the ball. Yeah, yeah, that, that is true. That's got to count for something. Yeah, I don't right. think the injury, in his case, uh, diminished his value because his value may have uh, shown a little more, like you said. The minute he went down, they just turned into a completely different team. Right, right. This is why they're going to tag him. And give him 38 mil to let him go when he get 40 plus from somewhere else. <laughs> so, basically, so basically, what you're doing is we're going to tack him on 38 mil. The final year, let, let somebody else, you know, aim the bar up for quarterbacks. And then they'll give Dak that amount of money. <laughs> they want to be the first to give Dak 42 million or something like that. That's what, what it is, man. What you're saying is, is is right, but they, they just don't understand because it is kind of crazy because you're right. The quarterback market is going to reset. Somebody else is going to get big money, and now they're going to have to pay even more. Right. And then they'll they probably, probably do. They'll probably insult him. Theo, you know what they're going to do, right? In the third round or second round this year, they're going to draft a quarterback. You know that's coming. <laughs> you know that's why, you know, this is why we're going 30-plus <laughs> years not winning nothing. Because <laughs> this is why. Just, just to add insult to injury, we're going to draft a quarterback in the second round so we make it like if you leave, we good. Right. Exactly. I mean, I, I would tell you this. I, I got a feeling, I mean, we talking about Green Bay. I was him. I love Aaron Rodgers out there, but I could see a Green Bay letting him go in like a year or two. You couldn't see that? After drafting that kid in the first round? Remember, they did it to Brett Favre, and Brett Favre wasn't on the decline. He was still playing well. They just – that was it. Then the writing may be on the wall. I don't know if they're looking to move on from him right now, per se, but, yeah, wouldn't be surprised, like you said, in a year or two. Um, he's playing too well, man, to move him. He's on a Tom Brady pass outside the chips, the way he's playing. Yeah, from, from, from playing while on the field, he's like Tom Brady. The end, year in, year out, no matter how old they get, they, they guys playing at a high level. So, I don't see Green Bay you know, moving on from Aaron Rodgers just yet. As far as Falcons, so the Falcons kind of burned some bridges too those last years, <laughs> you know, with the coaches and having little, little you know, uh, demands of what he want personally. So, that's what happens. Plus, having Aaron Rodgers on your neck too in practice made it easy for them to get rid of him. Yeah, I, I, it's it's gonna come like it's gonna come down to well how love looks if he looks actually halfway decent. On top of that, too, I noticed they don't get rid of these guys until somebody else gets talented on the team. Like if they get a guy that's like say like an Aaron Donald that they have to pay, or one of these guys, other guys become a star, then they'll start considering it because then they'll have to choose who they want to keep or whatever. Right now, they're pretty good because they don't have to really pay pay anybody too much. Because if you look at the right. roster. I think everybody on the else on the roster is pretty much besides the besides Devontae Adams, everybody else is pretty much making, you know, reasonable money. Nobody else is making big money on that team. Yeah, that's a good point. Speaking of quarterbacks, what about uh Carson Wentz? You know, what do you think happens with him, right? He's another guy that could easily be on the move. I'm sure the Eagles would like him to be on the move at this point. I, I think he caused Doug Peterson his job because I, I really think that I, I'm pretty much sure that the owner of the team didn't authorize that Jalen Hurts move. Because that Jalen Hurts move was up there with the Eli Mann and um, Geno Smith move. <laughs> where they wasn't expecting to see Jalen Hurts coming out there as the starter. Even though the game is kind of moving that way now where, you know, you need somebody that can be a little bit mobile and get around. I mean, Wentz is, is good in the pocket, but he's taking – and they could only blame themselves for that line, but he takes a lot of hits, a, a lot of hits. So Too many. They could either improve the line because I'm pretty much sure whoever they bring in as the quarterback or whatever the situation is, that person is going to be married to Wentz. Like, listen, you coming in and you're going to fix Wentz up and we're going to get him back out there. 
I don't think they're going to change the team over to Jalen Hurts. So, and even oh, the coach. Oh, not going get, anywhere. Yeah, no. Even the coach oh, they get, that's probably part of the, that's probably part of the interview if you think about it. Yeah, well, well, guys, they did sign, they did, they get the, they get the head coach for, um, for the Colts, assistant coach, a uh, coordinator for the Colts. They hired him, so. Okay. Yeah, that's, 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 that's I guess, that's, it's more catered towards a quarterback friendly, um, Head coach, I guess. Yeah. I, I think Carson Wentz is good. I just think that they either got to approve the offensive line. Well, they got a lot of problems with the Eagles, though. I mean, the receiving corpse is kind of questionable. They draft a guy, but nobody throws him the ball. He only throws the ball to the tight end, so that offense has got to change. He, he only throws the ball mainly to the tight end. Then the running game was supposed to be, was, um, supposed to be better with Miles, but they didn't look like they had much of a running game either. Mm-hmm. So they they got a few things to do. Yeah, I would agree. They're a bit of a, a bit of a mess right now, and it, it starts like you said with that that coaching pick. I guess they got a new coach in place. He's got to figure out how to how to get Wentz back on track. Because prior to the injuries, right, Wentz he he looked the role of an MVP at one point. Agreed. And, Last few yeah. seasons, he's regressed mostly, probably due to injury and not having a offensive line at all. It doesn't help. Maybe he's yeah. been pressing. Maybe been, been kind of pressing his, his ability since the uh, the Foles uh, Super Bowl win. Yep, right. pressing more. You know, trying you know do do uh, more than he can do, so to speak. So you know, maybe it's more mental than anything else. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So, another thing, what is Eric B. Enemy going to get a job, a head coaching job this this season, off season? I mean, I know he interviewed for the Texans again, and they interviewed interviewed unbelievable. They actually have the interview with McCown, the uh, the quarterback, the backup quarterback for the coaching job. That to me, that kind of tells you where the NFL's at or something. Where you got a guy that's on the most successful offense in the NFL for years even though they're trying to give Andy Reid the credit saying he calls players or whatever, you're willing to take a backup quarterback that has no coaching experience and interview him him for a head coaching position before the enemy. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just interesting. I mean, if you think about it, what jobs are left? You got the Texans job, that's still left. I think the Chargers filled their position, right? Chargers did as well. The Eagles Lions, Lions did. Death, the Lions. So what's left? A Jaguar. The only thing left is the Texans, right? That's correct. Yeah, I think it's actually not so much to say he should be guaranteed a position, but it's actually uh, getting a little disrespectful, you know, for him to not even be able to secure interviews. It's like something is definitely wrong in this league. You know, anytime you have have to implement something like the whole Rooney rule or whatever it is, that that ought to tell you that something is wrong uh, with the dynamics of the league. So I'm hoping he eventually gets his shot. Maybe these teams just weren't the the best fit for him. Maybe he'll land with the Texans. Who knows? That's a wait and see. But I think eventually he'll he'll get a uh, get an opportunity. But yeah, it's just another one of those things, similar to the black quarter, black uh, black quarterback having a black head coach. You know, it's one of those things in the league that, unfortunately, they they don't seem to be too keen on. And you know what's sad? What's 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 sad about it is that I think with the Rooney Rule that you brought up, some teams just bring people in just for the sake of interviewing them. Like I heard, like Marvin Lewis interviewed for a bunch of jobs. I mean, realistically, I mean, I like Marvin Lewis. He seemed like a fairly nice guy. He did decently. But does anybody think that Marvin Lewis at this point deserves to be a new a new head coach on the team after being mediocre for X amount of years and losing for a whole bunch? I mean, his, his I mean, his early years, he was really good. But I don't think a Marvin Lewis coach team has been good for how many years? Those same teams probably brought in uh, Tony Dungy too, right? It's just to say, hey, yeah, we brought we brought one of these guys in for an interview. Yeah, somebody brought in Raheem Morris. 
Hell, somebody even bought an Aaron Glenn, the the old cornerback from the Jets. He's he's the um the the, the cornerbacks coach on New Orleans. He got interviewed for the Jets job. Now, about, uh, did he realistically have any chance of getting the job, Aaron Glenn? No, no. <laughs> what about uh, I? I hear great things about him. What about Leftwich? I don't think he got an interview. Did he get an interview with anybody? Not that I heard, but I always hear great things about him. You know, well, he's kind of like one of the next up and coming coaches, and here it is—he can't even get an interview. Yeah, so it's, it's really good. Yeah, supposedly. I mean, there's a lot of work to be done as far as you know the NFL and and vetting the talent. I mean, it'd be interesting to understand what you know what the dynamic is because you got other. I mean, I like the Bills and the Dable guy. They did what they did. I think he got a did he get a head coaching job somewhere? The Bills offensive coordinator. Uh, I'm not sure. sure. Oh, he might have got the San Diego job, I think. I think he got the San Diego job. Okay. But the thing is, is that, I mean, you got a guy who went in there, and it's great to see see him this year, but they their, their offense wasn't that good last year. They're great this year, and you got to attribute a lot of that to the quarterback. His ability, you know, he's getting thrown the ball, and really Stephon Diggs. Yeah. <laughs> but – their, their offense last year wasn't the world-beating offense. So he had maybe one successful year as the offensive coordinator, and then that mm-hmm. makes him the head coach of a team. So yes, it's, that's, that's terrible. Yeah. And then you look at the controversy with the with the Giants coaching pick, which is well-documented, right? Yeah. It had pretty much no experience, from my understanding. And granted, I don't think he did too bad of a job, though. No. Uh, once he got the role, but there was definitely some controversy surrounding him being the pick initially. Well, think about it. The fact that he even got the interview. That's 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 the thing that he actually got the interview over guys who experienced, who won and all types of stuff. And it's not just black guys. I'm sure there's other coordinators that, you know, that are like, wait a minute, dude. If you think about it, I'm sure, well, the, the guy who coaches Green Bay, he's the coordinator. But if you look at it, the guy that the Jets took, Salah, he's been good for years. The 49ers, yeah, he's been a key. And I think this might have been the first time he's ever interviewed for a job, right? That I'm aware of, yeah. Did he get interviewed he maybe, maybe two years ago when San Fran was real good. Yeah. Both sides of the ball. Probably second time get interviewed. Yeah, so a lot of these guys, I mean – it's almost like everybody's trying to outsmart themselves. I mean, the Jaguars took a flyer on a guy. I mean, I hope it pans out, but I can say there's probably people that might have been better in the NFL than he was suited for the job, too. Like, Urban Meyer? You know, yeah, Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer coming in there with a whole college setup, with college assistants, everything. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be different coaching grown men. You can't tell a grown man that they ain't going to play if they don't do X. <laughs> I mean, you ain't going to be able to suspend them from the team for not making curfew. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah. <clears throat> I would fire McCarthy right now for Uber Meyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Urban's all right. But I hear what you're saying, though. It'll be an adjustment period for him as far as giving a grown man. That's for sure. Yep. I think that's what um Saban said when he took when they all tried that. There's a big difference between grown men. I think somebody went in there and tried to change. Um, who was the guy that the Eagles had? That he was was he a college coach or somebody? They they brought in a coach like a couple of years. Yeah, Chip Kelly. Yeah, that he yeah, went in yeah. there and changed, went in there and changed the lunchroom. Talking about he only won healthy type of snacks. They couldn't have regular food, only like nutritious meals and stuff. They said the players thought this guy was crazy. All they did was just not go to the cafeteria no more. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he went. Ah. He tried to change how they eat. Tried to change the locker room, all types of stuff. So yeah, he just, he just went about it wrong. Though. He meant well, but he went about it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so hopefully for Urban Meyer's sake, he realizes, like, listen, I need to talk to these guys, get to know him. He is a player's coach, so I, I couldn't right. really see him doing nothing too crazy. Plus, too, it's right. good that his quarterback 
I mean, I hate to say it because I'm a Jets fan, but his quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> is a rookie too. So he should with him. He should be able to that, – that'll work out well for him. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer is a good combo to me. Yep. Yeah, that's a real good combo. I think so. Hopefully they hopefully they run out of time when they pick it and get skipped. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing is, granted, you don't want to see injuries, but I, I I felt the same way about Burrow last year, right? And then unfortunately he goes down with a serious injury. Yeah. You know, I mean, hopefully nothing like happens to Lawrence. You don't want to see any anybody get hurt, but you know, yeah, just right. that, just something like that could easily change the dynamics you know the Bengals they had a, a terrible season they go out they get borrowed finally basically being rewarded for it and he goes down you know so yeah any of these guys but yeah he was playing pretty well he took some big hits though I would say yeah I think he needs to learn how to slide on some of those, <laughs> those running plays I seen him get you know drilled a couple of times prior to him getting getting hurt yeah but, I hope these guys um, stay healthy, you know. So I hope Lawrence is able to to get in there and stay healthy and see him and and Urban Meyer actually be able to uh, work well together. Yeah. Hey guys, the last thing I want kind of want to talk about is Hank Aaron passed away. This 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 was in the last couple of days. I mean, yeah, man, it can't be understated the the impact that he had on baseball. And the impact that he had just, you know, socially or culturally, you know, on black people in general, man. man what, how you guys feel, man? What do you guys think of that whole situation? What's, what's your feeling on this? Um, yeah, I just want to say rest in peace. I, I didn't make the correlation that Theo made regarding uh, the vaccination. I wasn't aware of that. Um, so that's definitely interesting that he was just vaccinated a few days ago, a week ago, whatever it is. So I don't know if there's any correlations there, but that is interesting. But yeah, just rest in peace. Definitely did a lot for um, for the game of baseball, like you said, and as well as um, black people as a whole. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a big loss in the baseball community. Um, one of all-time greats, uh, great guy on the field, uh, mis- misunderstood off the field. You know, MVP, world champion, uh, 25-time All-Star, three-time Gold Glove, got uh, Gold Glove, uh, 700-plus home runs. He's one of the best that ever played the game, and um, definitely a big loss in the black community as well as the baseball community. And uh, rest in peace to Hank Aaron, and um, he will be missed. And when I when I look at it and I think about think about Hank Aaron, <clears throat> excuse me. The stuff that he's done, you know, socially is something, again, for the people like Theo said, misunderstood, but he's done so much for the culture. And I and I, I kind of feel like Tank Aaron is still the true home run champion because this is pre the, the creatines, steroid investigations and everything else. Mm-hmm. So you, in order to beat the champion, you actually got to do it cleanly. So he's still the, the, the real true home run king out there. Right. So, I'm sure, you right. know. I mean, I think he's the godfather of Barry Bonds and, you know, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he was a bit, he'll definitely be missed. Yeah, I agree. So and for everybody that was him out there, was him, again, was him, we definitely wish, wish Hank Aaron a rest in peace. Marie McTheo, you guys have anything else you want to say, last final words? Just that it's been a pleasure. Another another week in sports, being able to sit back, watch um, sports during this time. Pandemic is a big thing, so fortunate to be able to do so and be able to come on here and, and talk with you guys about it. So it's been a pleasure. Yeah, I'm definitely enjoying the book of Nets falling apart <laughs> for now. Anyway, I, I, I'm really enjoying it as a Nick fan. And these guys trying to take over New York City ain't going to happen. <laughs> and but outside of that, though, you know, looking forward to uh, you know the next our uh, next show, man. That's for sure. Hey, hey again, thank you guys for listening for for tuning in. I say, man, I my love talking to you guys about sports. And Theo, leave them Brooklyn Nets alone. They're gonna make a comeback. 
They'll be playing defense for the next week. They'll have to hire a coach to do it, but the Nets going to make it's You know, the thing with a setback, right, the biggest thing with a setback is a comeback. All right. Good night, everybody.